Sutra 38 The Tenth Bhumi The Cloud of Dharma I ran to Cicero's central station, and there I found the kitten and the opossum. I needed guidance, and I knew it was impossible for this sword to hurt them. These animals were pure, and they embodied love, but I, I was so confused and tired that I was almost ready to give up. Cicero, my lord, what is the speed of darkness? Why not the speed of light? He asked. Because the lord of death, that beast is like the darkest part of the night, and while I faced him, I heard my intuition tell me that I must fight. Oh, Cicero, how could this be right? Attached? Well, if your heart's attached to it, then your mind will be attached to it too. When you have a passion for something, then you tend not only to be better at it, but you work harder at it too, said Cicero. The battle, Cicero! I'm talking about the Lord of Death in front of the brass door. We must do something at once to stop this, because that Mara is not something we can simply ignore. Say no more. We've got the sword. We're fine, because you didn't take any one of his tricks, wives, or rewards, said Cicero. But it's absurd. Do you know what we just heard? No man, warrior, or soldier can end the Lord of Death. We must run away faster than the speed of darkness. The only reason I escaped is because I went running. Cicero, I cannot defeat him alone. So where is the second coming? We worship Jesus instead of following him on his same path. We made Jesus into a mere religion instead of a journey toward union with God and everything else. This shift made us into a religion of belonging and believing instead of a religion of transformation. For Christ, the true esoteric savior, is no man but the divine principle in every human being, said Cicero. But he has called me Lucifer. This cannot be me. I do not wish to harm anyone, and I do not wish violence on anyone else to any degree. I wish we never took hold of this sword. For what are we to do? How is there a way to get past the Lord of Death and break open the brass door if he cannot be killed by the man that holds the sword of truth? We are called to transform. This is the nature of creation. Rise up, son of the spirit. If all things are called to die, then even death must cease upon a certain occasion, said Cicero. But how? Now, let me teach you about our nature. As this world shifts through the three gunas, as you have heard, there is sattva, rajas, and tamas. These three are the essence of all matter, energy, and consciousness, and so they are within you and me. We have the choice to evolve, and if we do, we can become free. You see me as an opossum, and you see this girl as a little kitten, but we are the spirit animals of your own soul, and just like nature, we can change and evolve depending on the proper conditions, said Cicero. Conditions? Why, yes. Examine the kitten 
as she is the embodiment of tamas, which is tiredness and ignorance. But examine the nature of rajas, said Cicero. Upon some yama, on the kitten and rajas, I watched this tiny kitten transform into a great tigress. Cicero, she is powerful and great. She is fierce and wild. What is happening? Why, just a moment ago, she was a tiny child. Within us all are spirit animals, and we come in three different forms, a low, middle, and heightened sense from which our spirit animals transform. As an opossum, I embody the aspect of Tamas, and so I am dull and sleepy. But what happens when you discover my rajasic nature? Then how will you see me? said Cicero. Upon Samyama on the opossum and rajas, I was so curious about his rajasic nature. Then a moment later, I watched the opossum named Cicero transform into a great panther. Forgiveness! It is you! The great enemy is fear. The spirit of evil is the negation of life force by fear. Only boldness can deliver us from fear. And if the risk is not taken, the meaning of life is violated. Long ago, I was given authority to rule over the realm of death, and I was gentle and caring. There I was compassionate for the souls after life who needed rest. Then one day I met a lord. He had died as he was stabbed in his heart. Shribala had killed this wicked man, and as I tried to console him in my kingdom, he caged me and ripped the gentleness of death apart. He trapped me in a prison, then he threw away the key. For ages I waited for a worthy one to come and rescue me. Locked in that prison, all my vision saw was the constant passing bars. I'd grown so weary that I could not take it anymore. It seemed to me that there were a thousand bars, and behind the bars, no world. As I paced in cramped circles, over and over, my movement and stride was like a ritual dance around the center in which my will stood paralyzed. At times, the curtains of my pupils lifted, then quietly, an image would enter, move through the tightened shoulders, and it plunged into my heart, then died. Why, my pride and my purpose had been killed, and I was locked away. But I waited until a brave soul descended into hell to rescue me upon that day. Why, it was you, but you were not a man. You came to me as the spirit soul named Jane on behalf of all women and man. For ages I was trapped and upset. How could the Lord of Death take over my throne? I had protected the realm of death as a sacred cardinal direction with virtue, justice, and righteousness as that kingdom of death was all I had ever known. When you came to free me, I saw myself in you. You were trapped in the same cage, and it was us together who found a way to break through. The master gives himself up to whatever the moment brings. We know that someday we are going to die, and we have nothing left to hold on to or cling. No illusions in our body, no illusions in our mind, we do not think about our actions. They form the core of our being, which is rooted into the divine. Hold nothing back from life. There you and I are ready for death. 
the same way a hardworking man is ready for sleep, the power is in our breath, said forgiveness. Great teacher, you are the sovereign Lord. I will always protect you, but what about the brass door? What are you worried for? We've got the sword. Can you not hear it? It alone has the power to break down the brass door. By opening that door, we will open our heart to the world, break down the brass door, and the truth will no longer be hidden or feared, said Cicero. But weapons are tools of violence. All decent men detest them. Weapons are the tools of fear, and a decent man will avoid them. Except in the direst necessity, and if compelled, we will use them with the utmost restraint. Peace is the highest value. But if peace has been shattered, then how can we be content? Your enemies are not demons, but the darkness within yourself. We do not wish them any harm, but as we look inward, we see the battle is within the self. Do not rejoice in victory. How could anyone rejoice in the victory and delight in the slaughter of men? Enter the battle gravely, with sorrow and compassion. Go forth and raise the sword, for it alone is pure and indestructible. Go on and bow before the battle, as if you were attending a funeral," said Cicero. But this sword, it is too heavy for one man to bear. How can such a dilemma exist? This battle is not fair. Listen to the sword. It says I am, and I come as time, the destroyer of all. I have come to consume the world, even without your participation. All these hosts must die. Strike, steady your hand, no matter. But you smite the dead, the doomed devoted heroes. Fight and have no fear. The foe is yours to conquer, said Cicero. I blinked in shock. I felt very separate because there would come a time when all beings would have to face the Lord of Death. But what options are even left? I trembled and bowed before Cicero. Do not tell me you forgot. A man who is born with tendencies toward the divine is fearless and pure in heart. As the sun lights up the world, the self dwelling in the field is the source of all light in the field. Those who, with the eye of wisdom, distinguish the field from nowhere and the way to freedom from the bondage of death. His aim is accomplished. He enters into the highest, said Cicero. At that moment, I felt a gentle gust of wind, and I noticed that a rubbish bin had been cracked open. I could feel the air as if it called out, but what hope was left if the brass door was still unopened? No creature, whether born on earth or with God in heaven, is free from the bounds of creation. By devotion to one's own particular duty, everyone can attain perfection," said Cicero. We are part of this world. Of course we are intertwined with the forces of nature, but if we don't break this brass door open, then we will have forsaken her. And I am not separate from you. As a panther, I am an expression of your own soul. Now what if you found us as our sattvic nature? Then how would our goodness, harmony, and righteousness unfold? My eye caught sight of the sword, and the fire glowed and shined upon the blade. I could feel the gentle gust of air 
when I heard a horse beat run. Creation rose for the dawn of a new day. Let me tell you, by performing one's own work, one worships the Creator who dwells within every creature. Such a connection brings the person to fulfillment. It is better to perform one's own duties imperfectly than to master the duties of another. By fulfilling the obligations you are born with, you will never lose to the Lord of Death. No one should abandon their own duties because he or she sees defects in them. Every action, every activity, is surrounded by defects as fire is surrounded by smoke. One who is free from selfish attachments, who has mastered himself or herself and their passions, attains the supreme perfection of freedom from action. Listen, and I shall explain. Dear Dionysus, one who has attained the sword is also with God and the supreme consummation of wisdom, unerring in discrimination, sovereign of the senses and passions, free from the clamor of likes and dislikes. As such, one leads a simple self-reliant life based upon meditation, controlling speech, body and mind, free from self-will, aggressiveness, arrogance, anger, and the lust to possess people or things. They are the peace within themselves and others and enter into a unitive state. United with God, ever joyful, beyond the reach of desire and sorrow, they have equal regard for every living creature and attain supreme devotion to God. By loving God, they come to know God truly. Then they know the glory of this sword and enter into God's boundless presence. All their acts are performed in God's service and through God will have eternal life. Make every act an offering to God. Regard God as your only protector, relying on interior discipline. Pray and meditate on God always. Remember God and you shall overcome all difficulties through God's grace. But if you will not heed me in your self-will, nothing will avail you. If you say, I will not fight this battle, your resolve will be useless. Your own nature will drive you into it. Your own karma, born of your own nature, will drive you to do even that which you do not wish to do because of your delusion. The true Lord dwells in the hearts of all creatures and whirls them round upon the wheel of illusion and death. Run to God for refuge with all your strength and peace propound will be yours through this grace. I give you these precious words of wisdom. Reflect on them and then do as you choose. You are very dear to me. Be aware of God always. Adore God. Make every act an offering to God. Abandon all supports and look to God for protection. The sword shall purify you from the sins of the past. Do not grieve. Have you listened carefully, O Dionysus, to everything I have told you? Have I dispelled the illusion?" said Cicero. Now the sun shone upon the sword, as if I could hear what the universe had to say. I heard the flames whisper that in every age we come back to deliver the holy, to destroy the sins of the wicked, and to establish righteousness. But if a man cannot kill the Lord of Death, then how? The feminine principle, call it forth now. When we face fear, we often feel alone, and as I watched you while you faced the Lord of Death, I saw how the fear made you feel separate 
as if you were fighting on your own. In that instant, you were yourself a man. And just as the Lord of Death's boon states, he cannot be killed by a single man. What we need is unity. We need you to embody the ultimate presence of our soul. Then you are not a simple man, but rather we are one united whole. You cannot do this alone, but still you must have heart, said Cicero. So we're ending this now? Meow, said the tigress. Right meow, said the panther. But how? Again, I was in shock that the kitten had transformed into the tigress, and Cicero had unveiled himself as forgiveness the Black Panther. But Kismet, where's Mr. Kismet? He's the lion in your heart. Kismet is the answer, said Cicero. We've got one chance, so let's get it right. The Lord of Death has three heads left, so there's three of us to fight. But if we come out together, there's a chance he'll hide in the dark tunnels. We've got to lure him to us so that death comes into its own trouble, said Cicero. What do you mean, into its own trouble? We'll call it the Great Kerfluffle. Kerfluffle is a commotion. We're going to have to trick death to die. And the only way we do this is by bringing death out into the open, said Cicero. Sounds great and all, but we don't have any control. Two of us are men, and so we will not be able to inflict any damage from what he read upon the ancient scrolls. We looked to the tigress, but girl would only be able to sever one neck at best. The other two could kill her, and so what options are left? Are you ready? said Cicero. For what? We can't do shit. It's all up to the tigress. Let's roll. I'll be the glitch in the matrix, she said. You really think this will work? Nope. Not without the magic bullet, said Cicero. Cicero reached toward his back. Then he covered a paw over the other one. As if he'd been concealing a secret weapon, he exposed his other paw, which was shaped like a gun. Pew pew! We've got to shoot death right in the head. Us three will go for his necks. But before that, You've got to put the magic bullet in his heart, so that death is finally dead, said Cicero. But how? You don't even have thumbs to shoot a gun. I love you, forgiveness, but no offense, this plan is terrible and dumb. You're right about one thing. It's not me that's holding the gun. You've got the magic bullet, and so we'll hide in the hallways while you pull him out and face him one-on-one. -on -one. You've got to get him to attack. That's the only way it'll work. He won't be able to see through his own madness if you can make the Lord of Death go berserk, said the panther named Forgiveness. Maybe you are not understanding this, but a woman must kill him, so that's my main concern. Bingo. And since you've got the magic bullet, just say the magic words, said the panther. What words? It's a magic bullet for goodness sakes. We've only got one shot. Do not miss this opportunity. It's the only chance we've got, said the panther. He's right. We all we got, said the tigress. The wind began to press in from the outside, and I felt it whisper through the hallway. By some yama upon the wind, I could hear what she had to say. The children of life 
must be saved. Oh, right! We've got, but don't call for her yet. First, we've got to lure the Lord of Death out. If we expose her too quick, then the Lord of Death will hide in the underworld for eons, because no living person is going down that tunnel. Since you know how to call the wind horse, we'll hide until we hear your command. We'll wait where the three tunnels come together before the brass door. Then when you say abracadabra, we'll fight beside the spiritual protector of man, said the panther. With a tigress upon my left and a three-eyed panther on my right, I walked to where the three halls converged. We also had a three-headed beast of our own who stepped forth to enter the fight. The tigress hid in the dark tunnel to my left, then the panther hid in the darkness upon the right. Now the strangest thing appeared beside me, and it was a somewhat modern device. Why this ancient mountain was a connection to all times and people everywhere. Because there I saw a red handle that said, Pull in case of emergency, which had entered into my sight. It was a fire alarm, and I was just following signs that the universe gave to me. So by some yama upon this modern fire alarm, I ignited a new sense of urgency. After all, this was a spiritual emergency. O oh Lord of Death, I have a question. Ah, there you are. Now what is it, my boy? What's the speed of life? Did you say light or life? My boy, what does it matter? Said the Lord of Death. Because if death happens in an instant, then I'm curious, which is faster? Life or death? Darkness or light? Tell me, Lord of Death, which one is faster? It doesn't matter, said the Lord of Death. Not quite, because it depends on where you're going, and so one of them is faster, and I know damn well that one of the two is stronger. Which one? Death or life? asked the Lord of Death. I'll show you, because only life has the power to hold this knife. Didn't you learn that from Sri Bala? And however many times you come back, the purpose of any pack is to watch over each other's backs. As death you have no real friends. You have taken over by force, and even though all life will die, even death must run its course. What are you saying? said the Lord of Death. I refuse to walk with you, so you must come and kill me if I am to die. Let us meet in the middle, or watch while I slay all your armies as I hold this blade high. It is said that I cannot kill you, but I'll kill everything you bring forth to oppose your boon. I say let death come to me. Surely I believe in the truth, and so you were correct, someone is going to die soon. The Lord of Death was pissed. That's when I caught all his eyes locked onto this sword. It was clear he was trying to trick me, and he'd kill me either way to get hold of this sword. Now he stomped down the hall, screaming with all three heads. Not yet, whispered the panther. That's right, come forth. Let me teach you how to grant a lord to his death. Now the fascinating thing about anger and aggression is that you don't need to be telepathic to know its plan. The Lord of Death's eyes were caught in a fury while he charged ahead, but little did he know that 
that I was not just a simple man. We are spiritual souls, and we too have three heads like him. In the middle is a man, on the right is a panther, and the left is a tigress. Of course, our fierce nature wanted to devour him, but we need to lift our vibration a little higher. And under enormous pressure, diamonds and precious jewels are made. And so in order to become fearless, we must come face to face with the absolute worst fears that make us afraid. And in spite of everything, all I heard was a certain heartbeat that began to pound as the Lord of Death moved. This heartbeat had come in the form of a cloud of Dharma, and now I could hear her hooves. The Lord of Death was gone past the dark staircase, and he was nearly too far to retreat. Now the tigress and the panther crept closer to my shoulders. All the while, the Lord of Death thought he could not be beat. The Lord of Death was almost to us, but still his anger hadn't noticed the twinkle in our eyes. Life is cruel, said the Lord of Death, because everything we touch has to die. Not quite, I paused. Life is beautiful, because even the things we fear most have to die too. His three heads sized me up and down. You're a fool, said the Lord of Death, but not as much as you. Om ta ta ta! What? He screamed out as he realized something was not right. I said, Om Mangta, Abracadabra, come forth and destroy Death's life. Now this was Sattva, harmony and balance. There was no hate in my veins, but rather I got Windhorse underneath me as she came to gallop. It was her, the great feminine essence of the spiritual soul. And now it was time for her cloud of Dharma to come forth and shock the whole world. We sprinted toward the Lord of Death. With our faith in a divine knife, we called the truth. And the moment before the tigress and the panther jumped to bite off two of his heads, our eyes turned red and our skin went blue. Oh, a moment later, in way words could never explain how, Windhorse took us through death, but the sword cut through the brass door, as it erupted in the here and now. At once it was finished, but then came the wind. The goddesses had been trapped for so long behind the brass door, and just like Father Forgiveness, they were finally freed of their prison. All because Windhorse carried us through death, and that is why we are blessed. So now we know the answer. It is life that always surpasses death. Life after life, we meet the Lord of Death as he takes everything. But there is one thing that does not abandon us. The Holy Spirit is a force that will always remain with us. No matter your faith, no matter your prayers or beliefs, it doesn't matter if you die in war, old age, or pass on in your sleep. She is within all animals and plants. Her spirit lives within all women and men. She is in the political parties and the terrorist organizations. She is with the lifeblood of our elders and the youth of our children. And when it's time to face death, do not go gentle into the good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle 
into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright, their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight, and learn, too late, they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there upon your height. Curse and bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Oh, I wanted to scream at the world before there was nothing left. All of our spirits, no matter what faiths or beliefs we have, we all carry on after death. What matters is our kindness and compassion, because the same problems keep perpetuating from our armies and politicians, and the only way to stop them is when the feminine force makes them. I cannot promise if she will be gentle, for it is not up to me. The age of Aquarius begins, and so this is the age of the we. When we look down upon the Lord of Death, he had no life left. Their three heads were torn from every last neck. Now the brass door was open, and the boomies were free beyond the broken door. The feminine principle meets the masculine, harmony forevermore. There were nine boomies circling Kailash, but where was number ten? I looked around, and she stood behind the brass door in the room where I'd met her within. Her skin was black, purple, and blue. She had jewels as eyes, and so she spoke. If not for you, then I would have died. She cried, and so did I, as she stepped out from beyond the broken down brass door. She held up the Yana Mudra with a feather between her thumb and index finger as if it was a prize. A peacock feather. Not just that, but here's an ancient treasure. Together, we'll use it to restore the earth so that harmony lasts forever. Now this was a miracle, but how could I explain it with words? She was so tiny and so large that she could have fit within a yak horn, just like the story of Milrepa that I had heard. There as she held up her Yanamudra, she picked up the entire mountain range circling Kailash with just her middle finger. And under the spiritual mountain were all the resources we'd ever need to help, serve, and protect this planet all because of her. And why the middle finger? Upon some Yama on the Yana Mudra? After she picked up the entire mountain range, I realized it was a non-violent but direct message to all the humans because she felt betrayed. Imagine getting through life and finding out that the soul goes on after death, only to see the woman who saved you. It is because of her that our souls are truly blessed. Yes, Windhorse is a spiritual expression of sattva. She is the expression of the human soul. Windhorse is the pure and virtuous expression of the enlightened whole. I heard her hooves stampeding against the ground. Om tat tat ta. She ran faster and faster, and so the stampede grew into a heartbeat sound. 
Om Langta. We looked up to the small vent, which I had propped open for air. The sky, the clouds, and the entire universe was connected right there. Call forth the storm of prayers, said Cicero. Windhorse was out there, and we called for her to come around. Again I had heard her. There her hooves ran and made divine sounds. Fresh air poured in through the vent. We were one with the world outside. I felt the holy breath of our spirit that goes on after we die. Then maybe there was one thing that could escape the control of the Lord of Death. Windhorse was the only hope our world had left. She lived without a body. She rode ever free. Windhorse is the power of the Holy Spirit that continues on after death that gives life to you and me. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the spiritual soul would continue after we die. This is the everlasting truth that death itself would someday die. And if our bodies must die, then Windhorse is how we shall ride. Aum Langta, that mythical creature symbolizes the wind of the spiritual soul. Come forth now, Lungta, and stand by our side. She is birthless, deathless. She is the only thing that will not submit to death. Windhorse is the Holy Spirit, the source of creation. And like a river, she runs through all beings, and so she is the holy breath. Below that vent, I noticed a woman with the head of a cat that had come back. This tigress was the spirit of a girl who had never died, as she circled a stick upon a crystal bowl with sound calling out as if to signal we were under attack. The Mara had come, and the vibrational sound called out, Om Langta! Please, Windhorse, you must come about. Her hooves picked up speed. She heard us calling out her name. I looked out that vent into the clouds because both her and I knew we were capable to hold her mighty reins. We had felt them in her hand, and we found her picking up even more speed. She entered the great mountain surroundings, and now her clouds came together like four horses on stampede. Om Lung Ta! In Tibetan, Lung means wind, and Ta means horse. But when chanted together, they become the essence of the soul which is the most powerful and spiritual life force, said Cicero. Om Ta-Ta-Ta! She was like the sun, always rising, there in every breath. She'll go beyond death, through the rest, and come back after dying to prove how our spirit is blessed. She is a powerful wind horse, and she comes full force. Everyone upon the land could hear her running across the earth, she had devoted herself to the highest calling, which carries on after a single body dies. Life after life, there our supreme spirit does not die. She needed no body. She didn't care if the sword was held by a man, a soldier, or a warrior. Lungta was feminine, and she would bring forth the divine plan. Just as one infers the presence of fire by seeing smoke, or the presence of water by seeing a marsh. The presence of the awakened spirit can understand certain signs. Her name was Windhorse, but Lungta is what it sounded like when hundreds of thousands of voices chanted to Lungta, 
to the sound vibrating through our minds. I looked below to the earth, then up through the fresh air to the heavenly throne. The Lord of Death would try to keep us trapped in hell forever, while suffering is all we'd ever know. Take us, dear wind horse, take us home. And so with the flaming sword in hand, and the wind coming across our backs, we watched wind horse come over the horizon, dressed as a war horse, ready to attack. Take us, wind horse, carry us all. Forward, Lungta, the armies against harmony will fall. And so Windhorse spoke. A protector who undertakes a hundred thousand hardships for the sake of the spiritual soul's discovery of great wisdom. The one who has been consecrated in this way and whose qualities and wisdom have increased immeasurably is said to be someone who rides upon the cloud of Dharma. It sure felt like we were on a cloud because nothing seemed real. Wind was beneath us above us and within our soul, while I realized this sword also had the power to heal. I didn't know how to defeat death, but together, the seer within the soul knows just what to do. We were simply a vehicle and a body to help carry a great message through. They call it truth, and we would ride upon a fearless wind horse. Carrying a flaming jewel, we'd use the sword of our spirit to reclaim the divine source. And so Cicero whispered, This is the tenth Bhumi, and it means cloud of Dharma. This is the highest point of the guardian experience, the final stage before the attainment of awakening. In this case, the image of the cloud, growing up from the distance, is not regarded as an obstacle, like a cloud hiding the sun. Instead, it implies the richness of a cloud, slowly rising, inexhaustible, pure, clean, and wholesome. At this point, we have gone so far and so completely that we find a way to break down the brass door which covers the heart. Your power and confidence are great. At the same time, it is like a nearsighted, universal monarch saluting the spiritual troops from a balcony. We open the vent completely to welcome in her spirit, and we leaned out all the way Gazing down from the fourth floor, we peered out into the presence of the cloud of Dharma, summoning a fresh age. In one instant, in one moment, we accepted, received, acquired, and possessed in immeasurable great radiance, the light and the cloud of Dharma from countless awakened ones in the ten directions that stretched far beyond the earth. And so Cicero continued, to give you reference, it is like the great masses of water, which emanates from the clouds of an ocean naga's kin, which only can be accepted, received, acquired, and possessed by the great ocean. O guardian, in that way, all secret processes, the great radiance, light, and clouds of dharma, and of the awakened spirit, cannot be accepted, received, acquired, and possessed by any being up through the ninth bumi. It is the guardian on the boomy clouds of Dharma who accepts, receives, acquires, and possesses it. The great ocean is immeasurable, immense, and extensive. O guardian, the one who is on the cloud of Dharma, through the power and might of their prayer, raise up the clouds of great compassion, the thunder of the radiance of the Dharma, the flashing lightning of clairvoyance, 
knowledge and confidence, the blowing winds of the great light's rays, the overreaching network of massive clouds of merit and wisdom, the manifestation of a whirling mass of all kinds of bodies, the great resounding of the Dharma and all the routing of it follows, pervade in one instant and one moment the countless quintillions of worlds as numerous as the atoms in the other worlds in the ten directions and it pervades even more the countless quintillions of worlds with the great rain that has the nectar of good actions as he and she eliminates as wished for all the dust and fire of the poisons that arise from the ignorance of beings that is why this bumi the tenth bumi is called the cloud of dharma the one who has attained the miraculous power of wisdom has the clairvoyance and the great wisdom of discrimination which can, as he or she wishes, transform an afflicted world into a pure world, transform a pure world into an afflicted world, transform a narrow world into a wide world, and transform a wide world into a narrow world. In the same way, through this supremacy, he and she transforms as he and she intends all worlds, the vast, great, immeasurable, minute, huge, inverted, upside down, level, and so on. It is said in the scriptures that on the tenth bumi, you can emanate millions of awakened spiritual beings and the guardians from your pores, become one with God, or turn the earth upside down. It is true that you could churn out millions of Buddhas from your pores of skin if you were filled with dedication and inspiration. Everywhere you look, you see the awakened reality and awakened nature. Here the Paramita with the tenth Bhumi is Jnana, or wisdom. But this wisdom is not quite at the different levels of the awakened mind. With Jnana, even the slightest notion of a journey is finally freed except for a faint recollection. That faint sense of recollection remains until one attains enlightenment until the brass door breaks open, which is the eleventh Bhumi. Wisdom does not seem to have any categories. It is free from the kinds of psychological problems that exist within the subtlest level of the confused world. In the earlier Bhumis, guardians still have a path to achieve, a journey to make, but this Bhumi is journeyless. There is only a faint memory left over, like the fragrance left in an empty bottle of perfume. According to the scriptures, at this stage, the guardian sees the phenomenal world in a very brilliant way, like the brilliance of a full moon night, or seeing the mountains in the moonlight. The idea is that what you have seen previously is partial, and you finally are able to see fully as in full moonlight. This Bhumi is also symbolized by the sun, because the quality of wisdom is all-pervasive, all-comprehensive, and open, said Cicero. But we bear the sword, and this sword is called to destroy and kill. What good are we? What good is our spiritual will? If the Lord of Death has called you Lucifer the Lightbringer, then I will call you Michael, the one who goes through the darkness to wake us up like the rising dawn. Carry the light through the night. The sword must be drawn, said Cicero. But this sword is so heavy, so is this burden. We have nothing left, Cicero. How will we manage to get to heaven? Understand what is happening. Everything changes when you break open the brass door. 
It is the uniting of Christ with Satan, and his nature is like a flame that will put an end to this terrible war. We are the people who hold the sword. We are the ones in the middle. Evil will fear us because we hold the powers over the judicial. We will always worship God, but we will unite with Abraxas, which is to be feared. Why must they fear us? Because we will cut away the Lord of Death to illuminate the great and righteous seer. Just as the archetypal world of the collective unconscious is exceedingly paradoxical, always yea and nay, the figure of Abraxas means the beginning and the end. But after we defeat the Lord of Death, we welcome in the dawn of the Golden Age. It is life and death. And this sword is often represented as a monstrous figure. But who else could defeat such wickedness? You are not Satan, but a protector who is bound to uphold truth with strength and vigor. You are no different than the natural seasons, just as winter is a monster too. And so we are aligned with the elemental forces so that in spring, there is room for new birth to come through. Abraxas is identified with the most fierce creature and is identical with the Purusha, which is called Shiva, a destroyer of evil. Nataraja, you are a cosmic dancer and divine weaver. Has the world called you a devil? Of course they want to name something Satan. But we accept God as our master, and so we stand against the Lord of Death in opposition. So what if we die to death? Imagine if this battle brings us forth into the Golden Age. Uphold the Sword of Truth and fight on behalf of all creation. Destroy all evil. Do not let the world's wickedness persist. Ride upon Lungta. Go beyond death. As so many saints and prophets stood for nonviolence and love, they were not called to take up this sword to protect the love of this earth. The only way the holy teachings will survive is when the destroyer of evil comes forth. Whatever names they call you does not matter. No name or form matters if we cannot defeat the Lord of Death. No mortal opinion carries on after we die, and we grow ever close to God after every test. My son, we are truly blessed. Rise up and ride upon wind horse. Destroy those who follow and worship the Lord of Death, said Cicero. The cloud of Dharma covered Kailash, and it was white, gray, and black, as if it called for wickedness to die. Thunder and lightning called down, and I knew Windhorse had arrived. Aum Lungta! Wickedness will not survive. With Windhorse in our breath and under our feet, there were all sorts of powers that humanity was born to receive. From a single sign of the Holy Spirit, forever do we believe. Every breath we ride with the awakened ones, for we are all in her Holy Spirit too. And the Holy Ghost is woven after death, throughout all souls, and her threads are within me and you. We are empowered with omniscient wisdom and enormous confidence. We have lived in the confused world for a long time, and so we still need to be encouraged, initiated, and enthroned. But the final enthronement is called the enthronement of the light, which is the great seal of the Mahamudra. Come forth and be the true guardian. This is the great being known as a Mahasattva. Here we are proclaimed to be the children of the Buddha, of Christ, Muhammad, Jehovah, 
of Ram and Krishna, and so we will fully awaken to, at this point, the only thing we have left to do is to develop and believe with confidence. The last problem before the attainment of enlightenment is the poverty mentality. It is not having the confidence to work with your inspiration. The guardian has grown and knows the heritage and their richness, but like ordinary successful people who have a fear of being unsuccessful in spite of their fame and wealth, there's a faint fear that they might go wrong. There is still a fear of losing one's ground, so the development of confidence is very important and powerful. That is why empowerment is necessary. The irony is that your light grows stronger the more you are willing to face the darkness. My son, you are not that demonic force they call evil, but rather you and I are the ones who are willing to face it, said Cicero. On the 10th Bumi, the Guardian is completely prepared and willing to take responsibility. We have some idea of how it should be done, but the question is where to begin. It is like a young teacher giving a talk for the first time, not knowing how to handle it or what to say. That kind of shyness, that leftover from past experiences, that desire to hold on to security, remains the last obstacle until the guardian achieves Vajra-like Samadhi. Then you assume your role as a Vajra guardian, said Windhorse. We were not a simple man in the middle waiting, but we were together in the presence of God as Windhorse came forth. Then at that time, we entered the awakened Vajra Samadhi, revealing the nature of the awakened realms. There with us from the sky and earth was God, the angels, the Nagas, the Yakshas, the Gandharvas, Asuras, and all that has ever existed. The tree of life was here, with a trunk so wide it had billions of branches pointing up in a measurable vastness of ten million billion worlds of the universes. How could the display ever be described, even in ten million eons? And so I walked and stood over the Lord of Death's body and spoke my final message. In every age, you terrorize the living, sending death, disease, famine, and pain to everyone and everything. Know that the suffering and pain you cause is unfathomable and unforgiving. You entice the power and rage behind every battle and war. You poison the minds of mankind by creating the bombs, bullets, and weapons that all sane people deplore. You attack our family and friends. You try to kill our brothers and sisters. And we see that every day you're taking more steps to condemn our fathers and mothers. You killed our grandfathers, and you spread cancer into our grandmother. And what's worse, you infected the minds of Isis and Hamas, so that the children of life would be bombed in Gaza. You have no boundaries, and you've never committed a good deed. The only reason you're a lord is because death is only content when the world is not at peace. We will never follow you, and we will never stand united by your side. We may not live forever, but we'll face you today, tomorrow, and every day of our life because we are ready and willing to die. If this sword of God causes sin, then think of it as the devil's only friend. And when darkness covers the earth, it is the morning star that rises to contend. We have come to end you. We are that destroyer of evil. And even though we vow to stand for nonviolence, 
we will break through the brass door to execute you for the benefit of all animals, plants, and people. We will always believe in the power of life. We stand before you to defend God's divine throne. And even if the world calls us a demon or the Antichrist for rebelling, then let this sword be remembered as that devil, because we will always oppose what death bestows. It has been known that no man can kill you, but it is not I. There is only one thing that goes beyond death, and her name is Longtop. Submit to Windhorse, and death must die. We linked the sword into the knot of eternity when we wrapped Windhorse's reins around the sword's handle. It was not I alone who held this sword, but rather all of us rode upon Windhorse as we charged into battle. We are a community of people and believers. All of us are dying to live. We are a universal group that seeks peace and harmony, and we are brave enough to forgive. By the power of this sword, even death is required to face itself. For this weapon we hold is like a divine mirror, and so death must die the same way as everything else. Windhorse galloped faster and faster. Wind ripped through the vent in the wall when she turned blue as we charged ahead, carrying the flaming sword. We took a breath in. Now Windhorse spread into our body, heart, and lungs. With the reins wrapped around the divine sword, we sat upon Windhorse, galloping forward, and in one giant flash, death was perplexed. Windhorse trampled over death, and there the sword cut through the brass door. The heavens rejoiced when the greatest light the world had ever seen came forth. The heavens opened from above, and a moment later, divinity was reconnected with earth. The darkness was gone, and so came the spiritual dawn. Some call it a miracle, but we who know the truth call her wind horse. An entire assembly looked on from the sky. The cloud of Dharma was inconceivable, unbelievable, and at that time, through the power and realization of our true nature, all the atoms of the hundred million realms of the worlds in the ten directions, in eighteen great signs, in six ways, trembled, trembled, trembled fiercely, shook so strongly and fiercely, it shuddered and rumbled and quaked and roared. Through the power of the sword, it broke open the brass door, and so came the great revelation. The realization of the true nature of the heart when heaven was reconnected to earth with great elation. There we felt a shower from the clouds come in the form of divine garlands, flowers, incense, and there fell rain from the clouds of divine cloth, clouds of divine powders, clouds of divine jewels, clouds of divine ornaments, clouds of divine banners and divine flags clouds of divine music and sacred sounds. In all directions, we could see the complete assemblies, the realm of phenomena, and describing the development of the aspiration to omniscience. Listen to the special excellent conduct of the guardians, who are devoted to tranquility and restraint, have pacified, tamed minds, and are like the expansive sky, and are of the same space, have removed the last stain and remained in the wisdom of the path. The guardians have accumulated hundreds of thousands of good actions for millions of eons. The guardians have made offerings to hundreds of thousands of great teachers and sages 
so that all beings may benefit. And behind this brass door, we were able to open the consecration of omniscience. Therefore, the wise call this attaining the perfect Bhumi, the cloud of Dharma. When the brass door was broken, out from behind that locked door came the ten goddesses as they rose into the open. The ten Bhumis appeared with vast lotuses adorned with precious jewels, and they resided in their centers in proportionally vast bodies enriched by all who gazed upon them. Their infinite thousands of millions of light rays bring an end to suffering of beings in the ten directions. From the crowns of their heads radiate thousands of millions of light rays that circle the supreme humans in all directions. From the networks of light rays in space above, we gave offerings to gaze upon the feet of the ten Bhumis. We had broke open the door, concealing the consecration for the sake of the supreme Dharma. At this time, the Bhumis gained supreme existence, becoming the supreme guardians. And since they were consecrated, all the worlds in the ten directions shook. And at that time, suffering down to the deepest part of hell ceased. The Bhumis received consecration of omniscience, and we knew this as the attainment of the perfect Bhumi, the cloud of Dharma. The wise ones on this Bhumi have limitless knowledge. When they are on this Bhumi, they are supreme among beings. The ten goddesses could comprehend without error the entire vast realm of all phenomena. These Bhumis had great power, all activities of emanation. They know the secrets of the supreme humans, and they would make worlds from a single hair. With their reign was a cloud pouring out Amrita that brings an end to suffering to wipe away the sins and evil, and that is why it is called the Cloud of Dharma. These powerful ones then become the goddesses in the god realm, and in all directions they manifest to scope out the activity of supreme humans. They manifest thousands of millions of times, and so they elevate the minds of beings. The connection with the tenth Bhumi manifests omniscience to all beings. They have the quality of peace through knowledge, unimpeded by the past, present, and future. The darkness was being dispelled. The journey had taken all ten Bhumis, at first the immovable, because of our learning. She is the source of medicine at the base of the mount. Through listening and good conduct, the second Bhumi is the mountain of Kailash itself. The third Bhumi is the flowers, or gift of life, about to bloom. Aspiring to the path, we attain the fourth Bhumi, the unshakable shining, and we become a basis for the wise. We become the inconceivable fifth Bhumi, which is like the Yakshas, or protectors and guardians of cities, states, lands, or worlds. The result of the sixth Bhumi is like the essence of creation. The seventh Bhumi is like the Nagas, and is obtained through great wisdom. When we attain the powerful eighth Bhumi, we are unshakable like Kailash with a Vajra victory banner. The ninth Bhumi makes us spotless. Here the great jewel is chosen, and it is heated, shaped, cleansed, polished, pierced, and threaded on a string of jewels, then fixed, and shines out for all to see, and is authorized by the goddesses. Thus it becomes the location where the jewel accumulates for all beings. The tenth Bhumi has the excellence, and is like the god revelation. In that way, there is a progressive ascension 
after the pure precious qualities. With one consciousness, we know the minds of all beings. Looking out upon the lands from the shattered brass door that had broke on the fourth floor, we sat with the jewel in the immeasurable precious palace of Kailash and watched the ten boomies circling through the sky. They ran with wind horse and celebrated because the Lord of Death had finally died. We took air in, then we exhaled the breath, and I heard wind horse whisper, Destroyer of Death. Om Langta, Om Tatata. An entire assembly of guardians, angels, nagas, yakshas, gandharvas, asuras, and all other human and divine beings rejoiced. We had done it. Windhorse saved the children of life. It took ten boomies to open up the hearts, to take down evil, so that life could flourish and the spiritual soul could burn forever bright. And so Windhorse spoke. One who, due to his or her perfect discrimination, is totally disinterested, even in the highest rewards, remains in the constant discriminative discernment, and this is called Dharma Mega Samadhi, or Cloud of Dharma. The meaning of this Dharma includes virtue, justice, law, duty, morality, religion, religious merit, and steadfast decree. We did it! Look Dionysus, we did it in a way that no one could have believed. The brass doors open, and the children of life will be freed to Cicero.
आनंद दा 